You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Oh yeah, the grass is green. is no word it seems. Cause when you think you want it, you just need it. I'm gonna live where the green grass grows. Watch my corn pop up and rose. The grass is always green around the other side. Caterpillar to a butterfly. Bye, bye, butterfly. It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. On 95.5 WSB. Welcome, welcome to another Saturday morning. Ashley Frasca here with you for the next three hours hosting Green and Growing. Really fortunate to be able to do this and join you every weekend. And the phone lines are open. 404-872-0750. Any garden question or outdoors question you may have, now's the time to get it in. And if I don't know the answer, I'm going to find it for you. That is a guarantee. Uh, Facebook messages, emails from time to time. Whenever you message myself or a county extension agent, or even some of you still are in touch with Walter Reeves, uh, a picture is worth a thousand words. So if you're wondering what is wrong with something, a picture is just invaluable in really showing us the overall situation of what's going on. So keep that in mind if you're even headed to the nursery and want to ask an expert at a nursery what what's happening to your plant or what the symptoms are. A very good example was somebody called, I think about cherry laurels, maybe last weekend, cherry laurels perhaps, with a white uh, growth on the limbs and on the trunk. And I thought, okay, that could be some kind of bug, could be a scale, could be anything. But then once he sent the photo to me off the air, I gave him my email address and he sent the photo and it was just lichens, the furry little, you know, kind of bluish, kind of silvery, looks furry, uh, growth that can happen on trees and, and limbs and branches and all that kind of thing. It was just lichens and lichens aren't hurting a thing. So that was really good that I got the proper identification to him. That way he didn't use any kind of insecticide when he didn't have to. So don't always jump to the conclusion of what can I spray? What, what can I use? What can I do? Because uh, that may not be necessary for whatever the situation is. But anyways, we'll diagnose your issues. We'll talk about whatever you would like. Father's Day is tomorrow. So please remember to go out, get dad something nice because dad works so hard to keep the family together. Uh, this week was a lot of fun. I believe in over three years of hosting this show, This was my first conference, my first industry conference that I was able to attend, and I was so grateful uh, that Lainey Reiner of the Georgia Green Industry allowed me to attend Southeast Green, and it was an industry association conference meeting, 70-plus hours of educational opportunities for people in the industry, workshops, exhibit booths at the trade show, all kind of really neat things at uh, Gas South District there in Duluth, so Got off from traffic an hour early, both days, Wednesday and Thursday. Drove up to Duluth, made for a really long day, but a fun day. And I got to see a lot of the folks that you have heard here on the show. Uh, Becky Griffin, Josh Fooder, Dr. Alan Armitage, ran into all kinds of people. Finally met uh, Dr. Michael Durr of the University of Georgia as well. Many of you may have Dr. Durr's books 
on uh, woody ornamentals and, and that kind of thing. And it was just a great time, a great time. So I wanted to bring you a little bit about what I learned. And yes, it was for industry professionals, but all of them were there for the same purpose, to make themselves better in the industry and homeowners get the benefit. I'm with the executive director of GGIA, which is Georgia Green Industry Association, Lainey Reiner. Hello. Hi, how are you? You've put together a fantastic program this week. Oh, thank you so much. Describe to somebody who is not here, uh, one of my listeners perhaps, what this is. It used to be wintergreen, am I right? But now being held this summer and maybe summers going forward, what this is for the industry. This is our statewide uh, trade show and conference. It's a three-day multi-faceted event. So education for our professionals and time for our professionals to get together and interact and do business and learn new things. For someone that may not know the Georgia Green Industry Association, what are you guys in place for? We're a trade association. We exist to provide advocacy, education, networking, and communication for the industry. So whether it's, you know, a big opportunity like this to learn and network and do business, or whether it's on the advocacy side to make sure that our growers can grow and sell their plants and landscapers can install and keep going, that's, that's why we're here. And I met your son, Cole, very briefly, and he's done a great job helping you out with this too. How does GGIA get children interested in this industry? And I think you said earlier, you got to catch them early to get them in. Absolutely. So just like any industry, you know, there's always opportunity for young people to enter and have a career, but often people have a a stereotype that they think of when they think of the green industry and they don't really maybe see a whole potential, but a show like this or working with FFA students to help them learn and understand, like even if it's a 4-H club, anything that we can do to talk to children and teach them about our industry and give them the opportunity to see a viable career path you know, it's a great time for us. So our industry is one of those where it doesn't matter, you know, if you're a kid that doesn't want to go to college or you're planning on getting your PhD, there's a place for you in horticulture. I love that. Couldn't have said it better myself. And I know the University of Georgia has worked over the years to develop with with your help. And I think the Urban Ag Council does some too with the Georgia Certified Landscape Professional Program. And then there's also one for certified plants. Talk a little bit about that, but how it relates to children and the junior version. Oh, yes, this is a great program. So it started long ago with the Georgia Nurserymen's Association, which was one of the founding uh, members of the GGIA. It was the plant professional, and then we turned that over to UGA, so it would be a state-recognized certification. But we worked closely with FFA to create the GGIA Junior Certified Plant Professional. And that's a, it's a pretty hard test, but these kids go through and they know their plants, they get tested on them. It's uh, just a great time to get them introduced to our industry. And for anybody listening right now that's in the industry, I know this isn't really open for homeowners and and people that aren't really commercial, but landscapers or something like that, what one piece of advice would you tell them to push them to register for this next year? Come to the show. You will be able to grow your business like you've never been able to grow it before. Like just, we've got growers from all over the nation, equipment dealers, the networking alone is worth it, but the education, it's just top notch and we'd encourage every professional to attend. So this week participated in the Southeast Green Conference, ran into Dr. Alan Armitage, hello. Good day, I think it's almost noon, so good afternoon. One of the most popular things for today on the agenda was the walkabout with Dr. A. So what did you accomplish there? And you had a pretty big following, 30 or 40 people walking around the industry trade show. I'll tell you what I did, I clogged every aisle. (laughs) 
I made the exhibitors happy because I showed plants on it. Tell you what, you know, if you do a little walkabout, as I do, get excited about whatever I'm seeing, the excitement is is catching. And everybody who was there, there were growers, there were landscapers, there were students, retailers, there was everybody in there. This is what people need. They need to get out of the fertilizer and containers and dirt and see what people actually love. And uh, this is what we were doing. So we're showing anything from hydrangeas to, to, to petunias and every plant has a place and every person loves the plants. Something like this, an industry trade show and, and gathering is really, like you said, you ran across growers, you ran across people in the landscape industry, pesticide applicators, all that kind of thing, come together with a passion for this. Uh, you did find some common trends, though, that you were able to speak to maybe two or three trends that across the board interested the people that were following well, you. Any industry, and horticulture is definitely an industry, we talk about gardening, and gardening is a subset, definitely, of this industry, a big subset. And certainly in our little part of the world, what we see going on is a trend, of course, toward native plants. It's been here for a long time. It's just going to get stronger. We see a trend towards fragrance in the garden. Again, you know, fragrance kind of went out when the rose fragrance died. But fragrance in leaves and fragrance, that's a big, big trend. Deer is the trend. Deer is the trend. And I tried to explain to people what I do to keep deer out of my garden, which works, but it's my garden is what I do. There's lots of ways to do it. So that's a major trend. And of course, I also mentioned actually, what I'm seeing amazingly is a huge increase in popularity of cut flowers. Cut flowers for the gardener, but cut flower people who are growing them for the farmer's markets, who are growing them for the local florists. And you have a book about that. I do, yeah, especially cut flower book. Um, it's amazing. It's not a new book, but it's certainly gained in popularity recently because it's probably the only one out there that does that kind of thing. An industry association gathering like this, not open to the public, so we don't see homeowners here. We see, you know, commercial growers and manufacturers here. But what does this mean for the homeowner? What do we all take away from this, and how does it benefit the homeowner? Well, the homeowner is probably the big winner, although they're not here. But everybody is growing a plant to be sold. If you're a big grower and you're growing 100 acres of petunias, they're all going to Lowe's and Home Depot, okay? But if you're a small grower, you're still growing the same petunia and you're still growing good stuff, but then you're going to the garden center with the better stuff. And this is where the place, where's where you see the better stuff? Because these people aren't coming out here with a hydrangea that's 10 years old. They're coming out with some of the newer ones. People who walk around like the people here who are wholesale buyers, who are buying for their garden center or buying for their landscape, they want that stuff. And so the gardener is a beneficiary, not just because of garden centers, because new plants are out there that are gonna look good, then more people talk about them than gardeners really benefit, so it's good. I'm glad you mentioned that because yourself and Dr. Durr, he's doing a walkabout tomorrow, but you guys, this is kind of how you get knowledge of the newer plants and the latest and greatest things that we then wanna to market to the general public. We come here to see what everybody else has done. And you can do this if you're fortunate like I am. I can travel to places to see new plants as well. Like any industry, nobody goes into a garden center, actually and says, hey, show me what's old. They just don't. They say, show me what's new, or they just look at what's new because it grows better, it's better disease resistance and whatever. And maybe they don't even know that, but that's what they're now getting. So it makes life a lot easier. There's nothing worse 
than buying this plant and spending this money and having it die in a week and a half because it's just a crummy plant. They're getting better plants now. And you plug your Facebook page because when you do walkabouts, maybe at an industry thing like this, but nurseries around the country that you go to and you show us some of the new plants. Yeah, yeah, I do. I, I do walkabouts on Facebook and Instagram just for fun. I, I need a handler. I need somebody that tells me to do Wrangle it. you in. Yeah, I need, I need somebody to do it every week or then. But I do it when, I get, when, the, when the spirit moves me. But these walkabouts are great fun. People can obviously all stored on the thing, and you can see it anytime you want. Even the commercial people, they like this stuff because it's, again, we're talking about them. And gardeners, we talk about gardeners, and that's, that's cool. It's just, it's, just, it's just what we're all about. I was so fortunate to be able to pull him aside for a few minutes, and there are so many resources that Dr. Armitage has put together. Uh, there's an app that he has developed, and it is paid, but you pay one time, and you've got it on your phone. Armitage's Great Garden Plants, and he really promoted that to the folks that were part of that walkabout because he has things bookmarked at the top of the app. Deer browsing is one, solution gardening, and pollinators, really hot topics, resources that you might find um, very helpful. And then on his website, alanarmitage.net, and Alan is A-L-L-A-N, alanarmitage.net, he has all of the books that he has written And if you, in the promo code, when you go to checkout, if you order any of those books, like we talked about, the Cut Flower book, any others, enter Ashley, A-S-H-L-E-Y, and you will get free shipping. So how about that? Always great to catch up with folks. More interviews with some topics that were trending at Southeast Green this week coming up, plus the top three things to do in the landscape this weekend. It's Green and Growing on WSB. The update on your weekend weather brought to you by Finley Roofing. I hope this isn't the case, but maybe an isolated pop-up thunderstorm in the forecast today. 30% chance for showers. It's going to be humid and a high of about 90 degrees. And then scattered thunderstorms tomorrow, a high of 89, and then rain into the beginning of the work week for you. Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. So for those of you that listened after 7.30 last Saturday, that was a good time, wasn't it? The Wildlife Roundtable. Um, my guests were Ben Winkleman at the Eco Center in Floyd County and Chris Mowry, Barry College and the Atlanta Coyote Project. But uh, two takeaways from those gentlemen last weekend. Leave fawns alone. If you see a baby deer, a fawn, they are not abandoned. It's very strategic that the mother leaves them alone. Don't think they've been abandoned or they're injured. Uh, be on the lookout for snakes around rocks, debris piles, near water. Stomp your feet, make your presence known, they will slither away. And it's coyote pup rearing season, according to Chris. So stay away from their dens if you happen to know where one is or you discover one. That's when they're aggressive, protecting their young. Um, Chris shared a story that, you know, a a dog has been attacked because it got too close to the den. Otherwise, the coyotes are wanting to get as far away from you as possible, but just kind of be weary of that. Number two, now that the foliage of daffodils, uh, narcissus, if you want to call them that, some irises, uh, they're totally brown. If the greenery is totally brown, laying down in a just big mop kind of pile, now it's okay to cut it off, tidy those areas up. And number three, the two-step method to get rid of fire ants. This is something Walter Reeves, the Georgia gardener, covered for years and years, but I was able to see a presentation at Southeast Green um, from Dr. Chong, who is with CPRO, and talked about different pesticides and insects you know, that are in the landscape And really his reminder of this two-step method with fire ants, really important. 
Number one, broadcast baits when the soil's dry. There's no chance of rain, but you got to scatter those baits out for about a foot to three feet away from the mound because the mound itself doesn't have entry and exit holes, but they're tunneling underground to then get in and around that mound. So when you broadcast the bait, maybe a foot out from the mound, you're going to get it down into the tunnels. And then step two is to treat the mounds with fast-acting insecticides. So there's there's pros and cons to whatever method you choose to use. But, um, you know, some of the things can take care of the fire ants for a number of months. Some of the things can take care of them for a number of years. So you got to do your research. 404-872-0750. Already some questions lined up in the hopper. We'll get to those right after 6.30. Stay tuned. It's green and growing. Good Saturday morning. You're listening to 95.5 WSB. with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. On 95.5 WSB. Ready to open the phone lines and take your calls and your questions. You know, I mean, I'm on this radio station six days a week, sometimes seven. And believe it or not, I get tired of hearing myself talk. (laughs) Now I totally know how my husband feels. My God, poor guy. He's like, does she ever shut up? Sometimes I do. Uh, I talk all day for a living. And then I go home, and when I don't say a lot, I think he finds it kind of weird. He's like, are you okay? You haven't really said much. And I'm like, I'm just tired of talking. And I'm trying to spare you because I know you're tired of hearing me sometimes. So let's defer to you all with your questions, your comments, 404-872-0750. Up first, calling from Henry County, it's Gary. Hey, Gary, good morning. Hey, Ashley, how are you this morning? Great. What's going on down there? About a month ago, I had zoysia, zeon uh, grass put in my backyard, Mm -hmm. and it's green all over except for one spot. It's about seven feet by four feet, and it's brown. And and my wife sent you an email. I I hope you got it to see. I just don't understand. It's green pretty much all over except for this one spot. Am I overwatering? Huh, I think I did get an email from your wife. I'm actually looking at it, I believe. Yeah, so I had forwarded that on to Clint Waltz and hadn't heard back yet. Clint's a busy guy. But uh, the spot, the brown spot, is seven feet? Yeah, it's about seven feet by four feet, and it's just, you know, it, it's it's pretty much, you know, it's been a month now, yeah. and it's green just about all over. I have a couple of brown spots, but this is a big brown spot right in the center. I, I don't understand why. I have an irrigation system, so, you know, these hunter pop-ups come up in water, so I, I, I don't get it. A couple of things. And did you have it professionally laid or did you do it yourself? Oh, no, no. I had it professionally laid. Okay. Because <laughs> um, the installation was the right time. I hope they worked the top layer of soil, you know, and kind of roughed it up a little bit before laying the sod down. Really, really important when laying it down to make sure it's rolled down, really pushed down into the dirt, rolled into place. So that way, you know, the roots are able to make contact with the dirt. That was mm-hmm. my first thought. Um, my second thought could be that that, wa- that area does hold water. And the roots are staying too waterlogged, so you would have to kind of figure out the topography of your yard to really see if that's the case. Another possibility, have you fertilized yet? Yeah, I have someone who comes uh, and he fertilizes my lawn. So right after I had it put in, he fertilized it. 
Okay, because zoysia, of all of the summer grasses, when we're thinking about centipede, Bermuda, zoysia, zoysia does best with less fertilizer than more, so it's not a heavy feeder. I think that's the one they call a lazy man's grass because there's just really not a lot you have to do to it. So maybe that one application of fertilizer, let it get settled in, uh, don't apply too much. The fact that it's only been down a month, I'm hesitant to to run and say that it might already be a disease um, because we really hadn't had a lot of rain for that first month that it was down to where, you know, the, the grass blades stayed wet. And then with the humidity, uh, I think the disease is going to start coming on now if anyone were to experience problems with that. Uh, could you send me another picture um, kind of close up now that you've given me the an idea that the area is that large? I didn't realize that. Um, send me a picture close up so I can kind of see what's going on at the base of the blades, perhaps. Um, okay. But go out there and just, you know, double check that that it's compact, you know, that the sod's really been pushed down into the dirt. You saw them roll it well. That's that's key in installation. And then that that's not uh, I mean, we are going to get rain at some point today, tomorrow, Monday. So kind of see, you know, if when you step out there, if it's mushy in that area, if it stays kind of wet, low lying and then send me the picture and we'll make sure if I see a close up of the grass blades, then we'll be able to ter- determine if it's a disease. But I'm, I'm going to hold on to that one last. Okay, I'll get my wife to take another picture. Because believe me, I, my water bill was close to $300. Yeah. I definitely watered enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, what you want to do, too, I mean, folks, I've heard of folks putting sardine cans out around the yard or solo cups or whatever, rain gauge, but just spreading different little, you know, receptacles mm-hmm. out in the yard. And when you have that irrigation system, if it's not been calibrated or you're just not sure how long it's taking to water, you know, every week it needs about an inch of of water. And there for a while, when you were getting it established, we didn't have any rain. So you want to make sure it's getting an inch a week if there is no rain. And so it's really worth your time and and the cost of the water bill to lay some some receptacles out there and just measure, you know, how long does it take for running the sprinkler, two hours, three hours, whatever, to get an inch of water. Okay, we'll send you another picture, and I'll listen to your show. Thank you. Okay, yeah, I really appreciate that. And in the meantime, Gary, if I hear back from Clint, too, if it's something a little more involved, then um, I'll pass that along to you as well. I love having having my friends as resources. Becky Griffin, uh, who does the Great Southeast Pollinator Census, she and Clint Waltz and I had lunch the other day uh, after the conference, and just talking industry stuff. Like, I really feel like like one of them, and they are just so generous with their time. So is Dr. Armitage, um, Walter Reeves, Mickey Gasway, all of them just really wanting to help me help you. If I don't know the answer to something, I'm able to, to tap into them and go, hey, guys, have you seen this before? And with all of those combined years of experience, usually the answer is yes. So I'm very grateful for that. Uh, all right. Up next, we'll go out to Dallas, Dallas, Georgia, that is, and talk to Kevin. Hey, Kevin, good morning. Hey, Ashley, how you doing this morning? Uh, wonderful. How about yourself? I'm doing great. I just got a new plant, and it's the wildest plant I've ever seen, and I don't want to kill it. <laughs> All right. What is it? I don't know the tech- technical name, but I know it as a Swiss cheese plant. Okay. Have you ever heard of that? Absolutely. So those really cool leaves with the natural holes in them, right? Yes, yep. exactly. All right. So that is a variety of Monstera. And there's so many different varieties of Monstera. I've got a big one in the house, um, and it's got more finger-like leaves than what yours may have. Yours may have literal holes in the leaves, but the leaf is still intact. But uh, nevertheless, those are tropical plants. They do great as houseplants in a really bright area. They really like bright sun. So mine's in an eastern-facing window, like the dining room window, gets a lot of light. 
Uh, mine takes a little bit of a beating because it's about the height of my Great Dane, who's 130 pounds, and she walks back and forth and past it all the time, and she'll hit the leaves with her tail, and it's it's a tough plant. It's a sturdy plant. Um, but the, the thing is about it, Kevin, they are tropical, and so if there's a little bit of humidity in the house, that is best for most house plants. but it doesn't require a lot of watering. I think that's the mistake we make with these plants that really like high light. You think, oh gosh, well, I got to water them a lot, but you really don't. So I think that's one way people kill them is watering them too much. Um, how big? How about, go ahead. How about those? Uh, I put some of those miracle Grow spikes in. Uh-huh. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Will that hurt it or? No, it won't. Um, I just, I don't even think you need to do that, but once a year. And this would be the okay. time to do it. Whenever you fertilize a plant, you want to fertilize it when it's an active growth. So that way it's actively taking up the nutrients of the fertilizer. So if you've done it now, then that's probably plenty. Um, and it was potted in, you know, what I'm assuming from the nursery, really good soil. So it's got yeah. what it needs. How big is the pot? Like how big around would you say the rim of the pot is? I'd say about four to five inches. Okay. And I the would... plant's about a foot and a half tall. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and you're probably, that's going to be a plant that you're going to want to repot about every year um, or so. You're going to have to go maybe one inch larger. So next year you'll get a six inch pot and the following year a seven inch pot. And I know that doesn't seem like a big difference, but it is. It's just enough for it to grow and be happy and thrive. But whenever you're wondering about watering, all you got to do is just stick your finger in the top layer of dirt, like maybe down to your knuckle. And if the the dirt's totally dry, water, pour a cup of water, you know, on top of the soil. If if it's even a little bit wet or sticks to your finger a little bit, doesn't need water. I mean, I really wait till mine dries out before I water it. So about every, I mean, in the light that mine's in, about every two weeks, I don't really water it that often. Not a lot of fertilizer. What you've done already is good. A lot of times folks will, because they trail and they get so big and just unwieldy, like you kind of said, um, people get those like sphagnum moss stakes, you know, that are kind of on like a, a post and some people yeah. can, uh, train them, you know, train them and kind of trellis them up, uh, a, a sphagnum moss, uh, stake. So that could be a consideration if it just gets crazy, they don't mind growing upright like that. So that's something to consider too. Maybe when you repot it, uh, you can buy those off Amazon, you can make your own, but that's kind of a cool display for them if you wanted to. Well, listen, I truly appreciate your time. Okay? Yeah, no, I appreciate the question. That was a great question. And, too, uh, Kevin, it's it's going to, you know, send off new leaves slowly, uh, but it will come out with new leaves. And when you have one or two every now and then that starts to yellow, don't freak out. That's just what it's going to do. Um, I mean, it's mine are huge. The leaves themselves are probably gosh, eight or nine inches across, and it's kind of staggering when I walk by it and go, oh, no, one of the leaves is yellowing, but that's okay. I just cut it off, cut it all the way down at the base. The new ones are constantly coming on, so if you just have one at a time that starts to yellow, that's really normal. Now, if they all start to yellow, then then you've got a bigger problem, but you're on the right track. I love it. <laughs> 404-872-0750. Is this true that Sam is calling from Nashville, Tennessee? Yes, Nashville, Tennessee. How are you? Oh my gosh, great! How are you listening to the show today? Um, on the on the iHeart Smart app. Ah, you, you are smart, <laughs> Sam. Well, that's cool. Well, welcome, welcome. What's going on? Uh, um, I heard that uh, if a person um, uh, ticks around your ankles, that if you don't want ticks around your ankles, you can put uh, double stick tape, uh, like like duct tape, a big roll of double, double stick tape around your ankles and then uh, and it'll catch all the ticks and you won't get bitten i believe it 
I think that'll work. Yeah. I mean, I look like a fool when I'm out doing yard work. If I am afraid of ticks or snakes or whatever, I tuck my jeans into my boots. I mean, they're almost like rain boots. But, I mean, I, I look pretty foolish, plus the tall, long gloves that go up to my elbows so I don't get poison ivy. But I would do that. Yeah, I would absolutely do that because then they'll get stuck to it, and then you can kind of see what you caught, especially if you're walking around in tall grasses and kind of moist areas. Yeah, absolutely. And then and then with the glove, glove thing, um, and then you could uh... – Wrap the, the gloves um, also with the uh, with the double stick tape on your forearms, and then you wouldn't get uh, wouldn't get the stuff there. And I've got a follow up question. Okay. Um, you're you're going for the for the master gardener thing if you aren't already. But I was watching on YouTube about the about the history about the complete history of Earth and all the plants going back four billion years, and I was just wondering. If the plants that were uh, around four billion years ago are still around today, you know, in some shape, form, <laughs> or fashion, that's crazy. You know what? One of my favorites is, and I know they have found a fossilized leaf of this particular tree. So we know for a fact it was around in dinosaur times. The ginkgo, the ginkgo tree with that really unique fan-shaped leaf. That I wonder for if they sure. were edible. Uh huh. <laughs> what was that? I wonder if they were edible like dandelions. Oh, I don't think so. To the dinosaurs, maybe to us, no. And then if you get the wrong, uh, you know, there's like male and female ginkgo trees. And if you have the wrong one, they smell awful. But Was those, it? yeah, those have been around a long time. Uh, fossilized leaf. And I learned that from our friend Tom Cox, who owned the uh, Cox Arboretum in Canton uh, before he passed away, but knew so much about ginkgos and conifers and all that. Sam, that's great info. Thank you very much about the double-sided tape. That made me think of a story, uh, something that I learned this week at that conference, Southeast Green there in Duluth with the Georgia Green Industry Association. I'm going to share that with you next. So uh, another use for uh, electrical tape or some kind of plumbing tape that'll really benefit you when you're out in the yard, too. Thanks, Sam. Good to have you from Nashville this morning. 404-872-0750. It's Green and Growing. Stay right here on WSB. Well, it's summertime in Atlanta, which can only mean one thing. There's a chance of rain pretty much every day for at least the next five days. But today, an isolated pop-up thunderstorm possible, a high of 90. Tomorrow, scattered thunderstorms, a high of 89. That brought to you by Finley Roofing. Green, green and growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. All right. Extracted from my wildlife roundtable last weekend with Ben Winkleman of Eco Center, Chris Mowry of Barry College. Leave fawns alone. If you see a fawn by itself in the landscape, they're not abandoned. Mom is strategic and kind of doing that. And once you really mess with that and interfere, she may not come back. Number two, now that the foliage of daffodils and some irises is totally brown, you can cut it away to tidy up a bit. And number three, the two-step method to get rid of fire ants. You broadcast baits when the soil's dry. There's no chance for rain. you got to go out about one to three feet from the mound, though. That way you get the tunnels underground. And step two is treat the mounds with fast-acting insecticides. There you go. I uh, want to jump back out to the phones and talk to Tony calling from Cedartown. Hey, Tony, good morning. Good morning, Ashley. I enjoy your show. Thank you. A, f a few callers back, and this is a stab in the dark, Ashley. Um, I had experiences with the same type of brown spot this gentleman had described. It was large, right? And Seven feet. Yes. Well, I, it, 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 it was fundamental in my case. Okay. Now, I can't say this addresses his problem, but uh, many of the municipalities in uh, the state of Georgia, uh, and especially the counties, 
the municipalities have a a uh, city type sewer system, uh-huh. but outside of their limits, uh, most folks have a septic tank. Oh. And in my case, on two different occasions, two different homes, um, I found that uh, grass would not grow because the septic tank had not been buried deep enough. Well, shoot. And, of course, you're talking about a concrete slab as a top. Mm-hmm. And in the summer months, it is it simply heats up as all, you know, pavement does yeah. and concrete uh, structures do. And it, it would not allow the, the grass to, uh, you know, to flourish. Uh, and, and in my case, it actually was brown. It just killed it. So I, I, this is, again, a shot in the dark. Yeah. But that could be this gentleman's issue if he is not on a city or municipality's sewer system. Well, Tony, thanks for that. That is definitely something to consider. Shoot, I'll never turn down a good idea. I, I like that. And seven feet, I mean, that's what got me is that's such a large area. Someone else submitted pictures to me of their zoysia, and it was, you know, like spotty little brown spots here and there. But seven feet's pretty significant. Thank you, Tony. So, Gary, if you're still listening, that may be, I don't know, figure out where your septic tank is. If you've not had it pumped, you may want to do that. (laughs) We waited a long time until we had ours pumped, but now I know more than I ever wanted to know about septic tanks. So, yeah, y'all call. Weigh in anytime. Phone lines are open. Hour number two coming up, 404-872-0750. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.